0: Welcome to the Legally Speaking podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Maya Markovic. Maya is the Head of Growth at Next Law Labs, where she delivers next-generation technology process, client, and business growth services across the globe for Denton's ecosystem, including the acceleration of legal tech startups. Maya has previous experience in product marketing and management. She has also been regularly recognized as a leader in legal innovation, being named one of five influential women of legal tech by the ILTA in 2020 and a woman leading legal tech by the Technologist in 2019. So a
1: very, very warm welcome, Maya. Hi, Rob. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, and before we dive into all your amazing achievements and legal experiences to date, we do have a customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is, on the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, how real would you rate the reality series Suits in terms of its reality?
1: (laughs) Well, it does get some things right. You know, I mean, I think some firms have a culture of that kind of office politics, not the kind of firm I'd want to work for um, long hours, stress on personal lives. Um, I think that's that's pretty realistic. But I think obviously for the audience, they need to have a lot of variety. So they seem to work on cases all over the map, you know, like MA and criminal defense and employment. And I think in real life, Lawyers have to at least choose a path between litigation versus transactional. (laughs) So I would say on a scale of one to 10, probably
0: a four. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. And I think it's great that you've obviously seen the show and know that because when I tried to explain it to certain people, I was like, no, it must be real. I was like, it's very rare for somebody to have done family, to employment, to transactional, to litigation. But anyway, (laughs) let's start at the beginning. Tell our listeners a bit about your family background and, and upbringing.
1: I love this question, actually. And I, I've been such a fan of listening to other guests' uh, responses to this. So, I mean, you know, my family background is I, I grew up in Silicon Valley, actually in a quiet little town called Palo Alto. Uh, my parents are in, were in academia. Um, we spent sabbatical years in Paris uh, with my father's side of the family. My background is mostly Russian. Uh, both sides were refugees from the 1917 revolution. And so they... They settled in California and Paris, respectively. Uh, So I learned Russian and French. uh, And I have a really deep gratitude for the kind of immense strength and resilience, you know, that flows through our veins. Uh, We grew up with a really strong focus on social impact, you know, curiosity, awareness of the wider world, education, um, and respect of different perspectives. So Meanwhile, we were growing up, the tech industry exploded around us. Um, it's always sort of been there. You know, it was never really foreign or unknown to me as a concept for improving the way that things are done. I went to Stanford for undergrad and master's in behavioral science. I uh, did a semester abroad in Russia and worked for several summers at nonprofits there. At Stanford, I learned the science behind human patterns and drivers, really always in the context of this human and societal impact. And how to question not only my assumptions, but really everything. So it really a- inspired me to actively pursue the skill of critical thinking and yeah. become a more active version, you know, questioner of the status quo, which is really how all innovation begins. And so then I, I started my professional career in change management consulting and technology. I was part of a team that conducted on-site organizational effectiveness analysis, developed, you know, targeted plans to support project implementation, you know, everything from communications and coaching plans and training, overcoming resistance, all of those were really geared towards maximizing employee engagement and driving faster adoption. That was fascinating, of course, but you know, something was missing for me. So I struck out on a long trip by myself around the world um, and spent a lot of time thinking hard about what I wanted to do. And and it was, you know, something with broader social impact. So I went to law school and I practiced for several years. I was inevitably in charge of the technology and I became Mm -hmm. really intrigued by how, you know, it could improve results for clients and let teams, you know, spend more time on strategic and creative tasks. And I really saw it as a challenge to the equitable access to justice. So I eventually made the leap over to the provider side, targeted, you know, various angles of the business and practice of law in product management and product marketing roles. During this time, I also became a mother, um, a role which really made me a more successful professional. Uh, you know, more resilient, efficient, patient, motivated. <laughs> There's a lot of <laughs> research to back that up. Um, and then next Law Labs found me, uh, you know just as it was getting off the ground, and I immediately recognized this opportunity to bring together you know all these threads of my experience in an, in a totally groundbreaking way. And nowadays, you know, in addition to the big law focus of legal innovation, I'm also really deeply invested in the future of the legal industry, legal education increased inclusion in the industry and how tech can really positively impact access to justice. I spend a lot of time mentoring early career professionals, social impact, legal tech startups, and serving on the boards of a few organizations that support equitable delivery of legal services.
0: Yeah, and you're doing so much phenomenal work. You're light years ahead of so many in the profession, which definitely makes you stand out for all the great works that you're doing. So I just want to unpack a lot of that because there's quite a lot in there. So you mentioned before working as you are today, chief growth officer at Next Law Labs, you worked in product marketing, um, I think at Mark Monitor. So just tell us more, what was that like?
1: Well, it's interesting because I started, once I went over to the vendor side and the provider side, I actually worked um, in, as a product manager was my first uh, role. And um, I was the only non-engineer on the team and I was brought in um, to kind of represent the the user perspective, um, which, you know, at the time was uncommon, to say the least. And as part of that role, um, it actually, it, this is before that, this is when I was working at Summation. Because I was the, you know, the lawyer, the, the fuzzy versus the techie, you know, I did a lot of the kind of translation of these deep technical concepts into understandable language. And so that kind of led me naturally to focus more on the product marketing side of things of the product manager role. And then I just realized that I could do a lot more there. And I wasn't going to advance all that much in product management beyond, you know, a director of product management because I didn't have a tech background, especially here in Silicon Valley. So uh, and I found that kind of um, client interaction also very critical and having the role of kind of making sure that that voice is continually represented and, uh, you know, was was something that kind of came naturally to me uh, and I really liked it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as I say, I think you are doing a great role that you're currently involved with. But I want to talk a little bit about what exactly Next Law Labs is. So for those that might be new to the organization,
1: tell us about it. Sure. So Next Law Labs was founded in back in 2015. It was the first initiative of its kind. Nothing like this existed in the legal industry uh, prior to this. And our mandate is to, you know, it's broadly to change the business and practice of law via technology. So I get to work on an incredibly wide variety of, you know, high impact internal and external facing projects. You know, our aim is to curate, pilot and adapt legal tech and processes to address the challenges in this business or practice of law, you know, both internal at the firm and client needs. So we take a very user centric practical approach. And we try to focus on providing these cost-effective solutions that can show real-time value that, that we can measure.
0: Yeah. And I, I just think it's incredible because it's definitely a continuous improvement organization. And I, I love all the innovative right. things that you are doing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying watching the journey. So for you, going back to you, you moved to nextnor Labs then in, in 2016, I believe. You touched on it a bit earlier, but I just want to dig a bit deeper. So how and why did you decide to make that transition?
1: Well, for one thing, a recruiter reached out to me and was explaining it to me. And to be honest with you, I would just never heard anything of the sort. <laughs> you know, it just nothing yeah. like this existed. And really the words legal innovation or innovation connected with the legal industry had I had never heard the two words in the same sentence. It made perfect sense to me because finally, all of the things that I had been focusing on up until that point seemed to come together, you know, like I said, in this very groundbreaking way. And it was a relief, honestly, to see that there was someone else out there who wasn't shocked when I tried to explain that, you know, I never left um, using psychology when I decided to pivot from doing that to to going to law school. The two paths are not divergent. In fact, they are absolutely complementary. And, you know, a lot of that is at the time was, I mean, one of my very first questions was, how are you going to get lawyers to participate? And, yeah. they, you know, and they were like, well, you know, we've got, you know, these ideas for these incentive programs and, you know, we want to kind of tap into this breaking wave of legal technology that's happening, which at the time was, you know, there were 75 self described legal tech startups out there five years ago, you know, and now there's you know, close to 2000, depending on who, who's counting. It was just a moment, you know, a moment in time that I am really glad that I took the leap because, to be honest with you, I was thinking I would just take another job that was similar to kind of the product marketing roles in a field that I kind of understood. Um, And this was just, you know, this is, it's an awesome job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool job. I agree with you. I agree with you. So, Let's let's talk about competition and, and, and difference because you know NextLaw Labs you know was definitely is definitely a leading legal technology innovation catalyst but it's a very crowded marketplace when you say legal tech so just tell us more about this and perhaps what you think makes the company so different.
1: I mean, of course, there are many things, and to be honest with you, in the last five years, you know the traction that we've seen these concepts and these types of organizations and departments take hold is a wonderful sign. I mean, we think that a rising tide truly lifts all boats. And the more people are focused on this and f- focused on incorporating it into client service delivery, the better, honestly. And so it's really great to see kind of the, the pivot more and more to client-centered service delivery. I think uh, there are a couple of things. So first of all, we have uh, NextLaw Ventures, which is our NextLaw Labs investment arm, which was also founded simultaneously um, in the early years in 2015. And the way that we did that was we we started out by polling as many people as we could about, you know, internally and externally within the Denton's ecosystem about the challenges that they were facing. So we started with a list of a, a prioritized list of challenges. And then we went out and tried to figure out how we would solve them, you know, be it in developing something internally, partnering with the client to develop uh, something or investing in an early stage legal tech startup, which pretty much everything was legal state. It was early stage yeah. back then. And so we developed this portfolio. And so I spend a lot of time accelerating these companies. We don't have like cohorts that come through or, or anything like that. We have once we're um, invested or in many cases, also we partner with legal tech companies that we have not invested in, but there's some mutually beneficial relationship um, an arrangement that we can come up with. And so we, we have equity in some and, and not in others, but we work with them to accelerate the innovation that they represent uh, within the firm. The other thing is, I think Denton's innovation drive is so strong that it's probably harder for us to keep up with demand, you know, and connect the dots on Mm -hmm. innovation happening across 200 offices, you know, worldwide. It's like 12,000 attorneys now, you know, than it is for us to convince attorneys that it's kind of a necessary evolution. Um, And so I spend, you know, I spend many of my days kind of with change management, you know, I draw on that experience to maximize engagement and overcome resistance. I could be vetting potential startups. I could be accelerating them. I could be working with attorneys to explore those new solutions and consulting with clients on their legal workflow challenges and also engaging in strategic planning with global practice leaders to kind of define and execute their practice innovation strategies. So our remit is very broad. It's hard to say if everyone else's remit is, is is also broad but because we sit at the global level we're able to help uh, you know touch and support and work and collaborate with um, all of the different regions um, in different ways
0: yeah and as I say i I just love the connectivity of the uh, the organization as well um, and you touch on it there a lot around innovation because next law's slogan is our innovation knows no bounds which I just love. So just tell us more about that, that, that sort of slogan and how that sort of lived and breathed day to day.
1: Indeed. I mean, as I described, our, our remit is incredibly broad and I am incredibly grateful for that because along with that comes a lot of autonomy um, and responsibility, yes. of course. But, um, you know, I'm encouraged to pursue the things that make me curious, ponder these big questions, imagine ways, you know, to have measurable impact. And I ask a lot of questions like, you know, what would happen if we change this? You know, can we reframe that constraint as an opportunity? How does the client view this situation? How do we articulate the goal of this project? You know, and so in that way, bringing innovation to the legal industry for us is as broad as almost as we can imagine it. And of course, we have to just from there, we just have to prioritize where we, you know, (laughs) where where we put our resources.
0: Yeah, well, well said. And I think you definitely have one of those cool jobs within the legal space. So I guess it'd be great to know, you know, the day in the life of a chief growth officer. I know you've touched on various points, but what does a typical day, in layman's terms, look like for you?
1: I mean, again, it's all over the map. Honestly, you know, we, uh, I like I said, I spend a lot of time. No two days are the same. You know, um, yeah. I, yeah. I spend a lot of time with clients. Helping them hand in hand with our Next Law in-house solutions, uh, sister company. And a lot of those conversations revolve not around tech at all, but around articulating those challenges, helping, um, internal stakeholders at Dentons understand where the clients are so that we can meet them where they are and have this kind of holistic approach to client service, understanding their challenges deeply and what the kind of pressures that they're under. Internally, of course, you know, like I, I spend a lot of time uh, working on um, just providing visibility into the work that's being done across the regions and how other regions who are interested in doing similar projects can scale them up to the global level or at least the cross-regional level. So we work a lot on transparency and, um, and this aware- and kind of the awareness building. As legal innovation develops and we move further through the disruptive cycle within our industry we're just we're doing a lot more of that higher level work within the firm. you know our team collaborated with colleagues um, across the globe to create an innovation hub, you know which is a communications channel which is designed to increase awareness, promote adoption of all these innovative solutions that are being used and worked on and developed by Denton's lawyers and professionals. Obviously, the users are particularly interested in the value that's created when these solutions are adopted plus exploring innovation activity and how to talk to clients about innovation and market intelligence and that kind of thing. That's particularly crucial, I think, in our Varine structure, where regions operate autonomously with all the great innovative work that's being done. And we're also doing global training on innovation on another kind of branch of this um, with the Denton's Global Next Talent Initiative, which is focused on providing these critical tools and resources for Denton's professionals to to really unlock innovation in their day-to-day activities you know, boost efficiencies and effectiveness. And, and again, always be focused on delivering new value for clients, because that's the key differentiator. Just, you know, providing excellent legal advice is table stakes. Everyone, clients expect that now. But um, finding these new ways to, to support clients where they are now and where they will be uh, next year in the future is really our goal.
0: Yeah, and you're just great at identifying the pain points, you know, and then providing those valuable solutions. So, yeah, I just love everything that you're doing. And what I also love about you as well is that you give back, right? And you also serve on boards that you lightly touched on earlier. So from Lex Lab, One OneJustice, I think Legal Access, Alameda as well, and as a mentor to Legal Geeks Women in Tech, in Law Tech. So just tell us more about some of these roles.
1: I feel that at this moment in my career, I have somehow stumbled upon having a bit of a, you know, a a bully pulpit. And I, you know, people (laughs) tend to to ask me (laughs) what I think about things. And I think it's incredibly important to remind people at all times, you know, where we are in the legal industry, how incredibly fortunate we are to work in an industry which is flourishing right now. And at the same time is leaving a, a huge number of people on earth behind. And so, you know, the vast majority of people who need access to legal services can't afford them, can't access them. Um, And so I try to focus as much as I can on leveraging what what I've got to kind of support those efforts in every way possible. I I wish I could do it all the time. I wish I had, you know, 48 hours in a day. The other thing I think is really important is, you know, within the legal industry to think about the ways that we need to be supporting the future generations of who we want to continue the legal industry itself. And so, you know, I think right now we're not doing a good job as an industry or in legal education. We're not preparing students for what they need to know, the skills that they're going to need to excel. And at the same time, you know, all these pressures are converging because the work I think is actually increasing. I don't think, you know, things are going to go away with the robots. I think that, you know, there's increasing regulatory issues, there's cybersecurity issues, there's, you know, privacy issues, more and more things are highly regulated and going to need more lawyers to do these things, but do them in a different way. And, you know, the whole point behind why Lexol Labs was founded was that the legal industry just hasn't benefited from technology in the way that most other industries have. And technology is, is kind of a, a buzzword. Often it isn't technology at all. It is just putting on a different lens and thinking about, you know, thinking about why people make decisions. <laughs> um, and, and things, you know, as basic as that. So and I'm true. just, I'm so, I feel so lucky that these things that are inherently so fascinating to me are actually what I'm, I'm supposed to be doing all day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Landing on the dream job there. Okay, and you talked a lot about sort of inclusion and helping people. You know, what advice would you give to other women who perhaps want to get involved in legal tech?
1: Well, uh for one thing I would I would suggest uh taking every opportunity that is presented to you. I think it's um uh, really important to realize that it's commonly out there I see it on LinkedIn occasionally revisited and that is that um women don't apply for jobs unless they think they hit like 100% of of the um requirements whereas men will typically apply for a job that that they think they have 60% of the requirements for. And I think you can kind of extrapolate that even more broadly, take off at least every opportunity that's offered, even if you think you're not quite ready for it and doing things for the first time is, is challenging, but it really leads to professional growth, you know, more, you know, emotional intelligence. And, and it can be kind of addictive more and more of the non-lawyers are coming into this industry, which I think is a blessing. We need more people from other industries coming in. Um, But I think, you know, people often leave the practice of law for negative reasons burnout and constraints and hierarchy just for another career, just because it's different from their current situation without really giving much thought to leveraging the valuable experience that they've gained from being a lawyer. And especially in the last year, I've seen um, just an influx of women that are in this very exact situation because of the pandemic, I think it's just exacerbated all of that. So I always recommend instead of this escape approach to really consider the positive aspects of your legal career, what drew you to it for in the first place, Parsing those out and thinking creatively about how they can be applied differently in another sphere. You know, we excel at critical thinking, communication, problem solving, persevering, even if it's an ambiguous you know, situation or there's a setback. And thinking about what parts you, you liked best and going in that direction, applying those well-honed skills differently and also engaging them to evaluate your options right sort through them and pursue a path that is you know personally and professionally rewarding
0: yeah really really and love easier that. said than done but you know yeah
1: it's a process. absolutely <laughs> it is
0: it is definitely a process but you've just got to keep going okay i like the fact that you've talked a lot around sort of inspiring and nurturing the next generation of legal professionals as well so do you think that future lawyers will need to be legal techies
1: yeah, I um, <laughs> love this question because no people do not need to be coding, in my opinion. I'm on that side of the of the fence on that okay. one. You know, I mean, you know, to thrive in the legal industry of the future, which is now the present, really, lawyers need some foundational literacies, right? Like a basic understanding of data science, you know, what you can do with data, uh, money management, you know, design thinking, project management. They also, I think, need to develop competency in. Flexibility, creativity, collaboration, emotional intelligence—which, by the way, you don't you don't necessarily have to be born with. Those things are are learnable. And in, I think in order to truly affect change, um, lawyers with character qualities of resilience and creativity—you know—that comfort with ambiguity and a bias to action um, and comfort with trial and error—are really going to have the most impact. So that's not necessarily being a techie, but you know, some understanding of what it takes to actually build tech, sure but not building it, you know, unless you're in a hybrid role where you're building these tools to streamline workflow for, you know, those that are building the hours.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a good and important point to, to stress, um, because I think a lot of people get confused about what they may or may not need to do. Okay, so yeah. just a couple <laughs> of final questions before we before we wrap up, and these are quite ambiguous questions, but what do you predict to be the biggest changes in the legal profession, say over the next five years or so, and why?
1: I love this because in five years, someone's going to, you know, revisit this and be like, ah, she was wrong on everything, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, here's the thing, right? Where we're trying to take the industry, I will caveat what I'm about to say by saying that where we're trying to take the industry, there is no roadmap, right? We're all just sitting around trying to intuit these trends and directions and kind of forcefully move forward in some unknown, you know, to an unknown destination, we know there are so many things that need to be changed. Um, and at the same time that there's such an opportunity right now to do it, you know, do it right. I think, you know, in general, a continuation of trends around technology, a business-minded practice, reaction to these changing dynamics of competition, continued increased focus on the client experience, client expectations are continually increasing. There's going to be more and more emphasis on the value-based services and different kinds of pricing models. So law firms really have to respond by boosting client service, you know, and the service experience, better transparency, more collaboration tools, lots of value added services internally, you know, in in legal departments and firms and everywhere. I think there's going to be this obviously increased mainstreaming of tech into the day to day. Right. So all of the sort of turn the crank work, I think, will be kind of morphing um, dramatically automation of documents diligence, mitigating risk, increasing efficiency. And I think there will also be more disaggregation of legal work uh, to to lower cost platforms. I think one one other thing that I think is I'm starting to see quite a bit of, uh, you know, more and more signs of this is the fact that we have a, a moment in time here where most legal tech companies are still young and more are being founded all the time, which is incredibly necessary and normal in this disruptive cycle. The key is right now that there is an opportunity and I'm seeing us moving towards this opportunity, which really makes me incredibly happy and hopeful that we're having discussions early on with legal tech providers as to the the DEI, the equity in and the equity out kind of uh, principles that they as providers bring to the table because law firms are under pressure themselves from clients to show that increasingly, that their supply chain and and the people that they're working with externally themselves to provide these client services are also hewing to these goals and aspirations of increased equity. I am also seeing more questions being asked around the tech stacks of of legal tech companies, and are they being developed in a way such that you know there are checks and balances around um, coding in bias to those tools because. Especially in the legal industry, you know you're not just doing something for directly for a particular department in a company. law is as um, the wonderful professor Kat Moon always says is the OS of human society and so our obligations are higher and I think um, and other industries that have gone through these kind of disruptive cycles with technology you know, didn't focus on that and I think right now we're having these discussions simultaneously with Increasing efficiency uh, with, you know, with a multi-billion dollar transactional platform at the same time as technology that increases equity, you know, directly for self-represented litigants. And, so all, you know, the whole spectrum there and in between, how do we really focus on making sure that these technologies that we're using are not uh, reinforcing bias and, and inequity? And so the fact that I'm seeing more and more investors asking these questions, as well as customers, and, you know, I think it's more and more, we're going to hopefully be going in that direction. And I think we are.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be super, super exciting. And there's some real nuggets there. And I look forward to seeing how they all arise. I'm seeing a lot of particularly touched on a bit before around the subscription side. I'm seeing a lot of law firms looking at those subscription models for services, particularly in the U.S., at the moment. So, okay. My, my final question is you've achieved so much. You've got a super inspiring legal background. What are some of your future plans and future goals? How do you keep yourself motivated?
1: Well, I have an incredible team. Everybody that I work with on the global innovation team at Denton's is an, you know, is a star player. So we are an A team that I truly enjoy working with, um, you know, and, and we bring such complementary experiences and, um, expertise to the table that it's hard to imagine a better kind of work situation. I keep myself motivated by continually trying to find ways that I can leverage the things that I'm learning on the job to effectively influence the positive um, trajectory of the legal industry. Sometimes I get, you know, almost overwhelmed by my desire to just make real positive change, something, you know, and wh- where yeah. can I find the most traction? So I'm on the search uh, for those always, but um, you know, the other thing that I have learned is that I have to be comfortable with never knowing everything. Cause there's just no way <laughs> yeah. to keep track of everything that's going on. Even in, you know, even just trying to stay on top of the legal tech landscape is just an impossible task. So I just uh, take, you know, what I can from where I go, but you know, I see myself doing more, Uh, And more, hopefully, with, with, you know, my extra two arms um, and extra 12 hours in the day, you know, doing as much as I can, leveraging these kind of skills and experience towards an overall improvement in the industry, be it in legal education, access to justice, you know, the the technology equity and uh, legal tech nonprofits are incredibly um, intriguing to me. And I think uh, that's a model that we need to explore more.
0: Yeah, no. And that's a great way for us to to conclude because I think there's so much more out there to be solved in the legal industry. And I'm just loving the whole legal innovation, continuous improvement ethos and everything that you're doing. So if people want to get in touch about anything that's been discussed today, what's the best email or social media handles for them to, to get in touch with you, Maya? Do you want to give any shout outs and we'll make sure we share them with this episode for you too?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I try as hard as I can to answer everybody um, because the conversations and the outreach that I get are are beneficial for me as well. So I, I love it when people reach out to tell me that they disagreed with something I said, or, you know, that made them yeah. think about something or, or just learning about, you know, what's happening in, in a different corner of, of the industry. So please, please, please do reach out. And, you know, the best way to find me is probably on LinkedIn at Markovich Maya. Um, also, we have a Nexla Labs website and blog where we try to keep up with all of our activities. And so if anyone wants to kind of dive into different types of discussions that we've had or different panels or different um, you know topics, that's there as well. But um, I would say just reach out to me personally. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love that. And I just love how inclusive and responsive you are to your your community. So that just leads me to say thanks an absolute million, Maya, for coming onto the show. It's been a real pleasure having you, learning more about Next Law Labs, all your exciting ventures, what you've been up to and what's going on in the future. So from all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast, I'd like to wish you lots of continued success with the company. But for now, over and out. Thank you. This week's review comes from Josh 991155. Josh says, great podcast. This is a really informative and enjoyable to listen to show. I strongly recommend for anyone going into the legal profession. Thank you so, so much, Josh. We really appreciate your kind words and support. It means the world to all of us here on the Legally Speaking podcast.